And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year, and welcome to another fine edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. Uh, hope you are well. Hope the Advils have kicked in and your hangover's gone and you had a good New Year. Uh, I am Rob Beasel from CBC Sports, joined as always by Jesse Granger in Vegas. How are you, Jesse? I'm doing great. And it looks like Russo's hangover didn't actually go away because he's not here today, so filling in, we got Joe Smith. How are you, Joe? Are you feeling all right? Yeah, not as much eggnog as Russo, apparently, but uh, we have a lot of, <laughs> lot of uh, snow outside, so I can imagine why I wanted to bag off there. I make all these comments, but as a father of two young children, I was asleep by 12.02. Me and my wife watched the ball fall, and then we're like, all right, all right, we're good, right? Yeah, all right, let's, <laughs> let's go to bed. So the hardcore partying is, uh, is far, from, far from our house. What about you guys? Do you have anything uh, big planned on New Year's, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, nothing huge. Uh, we went out for dinner with some friends. We went to like a Brazilian steakhouse, all you can eat. They bring Love meats them. around your table. Yeah, a new, a new one too that I'd never been to. So that was fun. And then we all went back to to my place and played like Jackbox trivia games on the on the TV. It was it's hilarious. Fun. You like yeah, make yeah, up your great. own answers. And yeah, uh, so so we had a good time. We, we were up till like almost two, I think. So yeah, it was, it was a good night. Whew. Joe? Yeah, my wife and I went to uh, University of Michigan Alumni Bar in Minneapolis to watch the uh, Fiesta Bowl. Um, I wanted to go to sleep after that uh, and call it a night, but we ended up going to uh, St. Paul, visit some friends, little house party, um, their neighbors. So uh, it was fun, but uh, obviously that earlier in the day, uh, Michigan Fiesta Bowl lost uh, to a bit hit on the early New Year celebration. Ah, well, that's what the champagne's for to make all those losses feel better. Uh, it is officially 2023, as we said. So we got a lot of stuff on the show we want to talk about. Should mention later on, uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, you two had a chance to chat with him. Uh, we're going to play that tape uh, in the second um, segment of the show. We're going to talk about trade boards. We're going to talk about you know players still scoring. We're going to talk about winter classics. Um, but guys, it's a hockey show, but we have to bring up something that happened in Monday Night Football. Damar Hamlin, obviously one of the scariest things I've ever seen in sports, um, collapsing after taking that hit to the chest, suffered a cardiac arrest, uh, had to be resuscitated on the field. Like I said, just one of those moments where sports seems completely irrelevant. He's still in critical condition. I, I'm sure I echo both of your sentiments when I say we, we hope he's okay and he will be okay. But since then, there's been a lot of talk about how the NFL has handled this and maybe how other leagues 
can kind of learn from it. Um, you know, it took a while for them to say, okay, this game is done. It, they had to eventually say that they're not going to finish this game this week. And like I said, sports seem irrelevant, but a lot of people brought up the fact that this is a super, super important game regarding the playoff standings and who's going to get in and who's going to get what seeds. And, you know, as a hockey fan, I couldn't help but watch this and and names like Jay Bowmeister and Yuri Fisher and Rich Peverly came to mind. Uh, even someone like Clint Malarchuk, where the sport kind of takes a backseat. But I don't know about you guys. I want to hear your opinions on just seeing how the NFL handled this. Is there something maybe the NHL can learn from taking a really negative, negative thing and maybe, you know, learning for it, uh, from, from learning from it for the future? Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think it, it hit home with a lot of uh, players in NHL. I was in the wild dressing room yesterday and Alex Goligoski was on the ice when Peverly um, collapsed in Dallas. And he said, first thing he thought I was him in that moment and the panic and guys crying on the bench and then them saying, we have no way we can play any part of this game. And they canceled it, of course, uh, which I think the NFL made the right decision eventually in, uh, in canceling that game. But I do think the NHL has done uh, has learned a lot from all the instances you mentioned, the Uri Fisher, even before that, Chris Pronger in 98, taking a shot to the chest, had cardiac arrest, um, you know, with Peverly and Bo Meester and Craig Cunningham in the AHL. Um, so they've done a lot of things over the years to improve their um, protocols and from having two ambulances on on hand, having a defibrillator there, having guy, having trainers in them uh, trained um, in emergency and, and for um, these kind of trauma situations, being ready for being intubation and stuff like that. And so there are a lot of things that have been added over the years and protocols at NHL level to make sure, I mean, you never fully prepare for something like this to happen, but they have a lot of more uh, things in place that they can be prepared in case like a removable bench, the benches are removable now. So you need to get somebody out of there really quick. You can do that. So a lot of things they've done to try to, you know, prepare for, um, you know, the unfortunate thing we hope um, him, he'll be okay and he'll pull through. Yeah. I think Joe covered a lot of the stuff you can do in terms of like the actual medical um, stuff. And I think the NHL and I think the NFL handled it well too, as, as well as they could have um, in terms of, how they handled canceling the game. Um, I don't cover the NFL, so I've just seen what I've seen on Twitter, but it seems like they didn't cancel it as fast as they probably should have. Um, and it also, I've seen people saying that the NFL didn't even cancel the game. They told the players you're going to play. And then both teams were kind of like, no, we aren't. Um, if that's the case, then that is a horrific way to handle it. Um, and, and I think I saw a stat that the, the Chris Pronger uh, incident that Joe brought up uh, um, when he got hit in the chest with a puck and it was a similar situation, probably not as scary, but but similar. Um, I think they, the NHL canceled the game in like 20 minutes and the NFL took, I think, almost an hour. And that was, again, maybe they didn't even cancel it in an hour. The two teams just said we're not playing. So it seems to me like the NHL doesn't have a lot to learn from the NFL in this situation. It seems like maybe the NFL should have looked at more how the NHL handled things prior. Um, because this is a situation where I don't, I wouldn't even want to watch football after that happened. I can't imagine the players going out there and hitting each other after watching that happen. I just don't see how it could possibly work. So I think it's a no brainer to cancel it. So why are we delaying it? I think you hit the nail right on the head there, Jesse. And I've said this on the show before. Sometimes we get so enamored with, cap hits and stats and everything else that we sometimes forget these are human beings. And yes, they, they've come a long way as far as the safety goes, if something like this were to happen. But sometimes we forget. I, you know, I was, I had men's league hockey that day. And right afterwards, we go up to the bar above the rink and on one TV is the world juniors and the other TV is football. And everyone was watching the football and all we could see were, were players crying. Players, you know, hands in their, in their heads in their hands. This is their friend who's unfortunately battling for his life. At what point did they think they could continue playing football? You know, it, it, that's the only thing I think they can learn is when it comes to this isn't a broken leg. This isn't, you know, something where you're like, this is an injury. It's unfortunate. It's, you know, perhaps gruesome. This was somebody who they didn't know if he was going to live through the night. Football is so far down the list. And, you know, what I saw was an hour that they still hadn't made that decision. I'm thinking, what in God's name are you waiting for? To me, that's the one thing they can learn from is when it's somebody's fighting for their life, immediately, no one's going to play this football game. Don't I don't care what it means for the standings. You're going to have to deal with that later on. You just can't, you can't continue. I think like Ryan Clark, the um, 
four defensive back for the Steelers put it perfectly. The next snap will be the scariest snap anybody ever takes in the NFL. Yeah. Just because of the whole just coming off of that, it's hard to get that out of your mind. It's hard to not picture it as being yourself or your teammate. And, every, you know, listen, every all these players go know it's a risk involved in the game of being injured and things that are, uh, you know, putting their bodies on the line. They all know that and they're paid very well to do that. But uh, when you see something like this happen, it put things in perspective. Um, and I think I've been impressed by people who are pouring in their donations to his foundation and, and really rallying around him to see in all sports, not just football and hockey and everything else, to kind of see if they can make a positive out of this. And then hopefully it's a positive outcome for him health-wise. Last I checked, the donations were over $5 million. So, and mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, obviously sometimes a good coming out of a bad is is always a good thing. Uh, as I said, we wish him the best. Hopefully he, he turns out to be okay and, and everything else. So um, kind of tough transition to get back into hockey, but I'm going to try to do it anyway, guys, uh, as March slowly creeps towards us. We're going to hear the word trade a lot. Um, the athletic trade board is up. It went up on December 15th. There's been a few changes already. There's going to be more changes. The top five shakes out like this right now. Bo Horvat, number one, Jacob Chikrin, number two, that followed by Patrick Kane, Timo Meyer, and Jonathan Taves. We've seen some changes in that Ryan O'Reilly with a busted foot, Vladimir Tarasenko with a hand injury, both on LTIR. So their values significantly decline with that. But in my opinion, that kind of lets you know a little bit more about what St. Louis's plans will probably be. Uh, you guys, I know, are part of all this. Some intriguing names for you on this trade list that you could see making a move or maybe traded long before March 3rd. Jesse, we'll start with you. To, to me, the name that stands out is Timo Meyer, And because I feel like that's a different type of trade than the other ones are. Um, I feel like a lot of names on this board, Patrick Kane, for example, like you're getting a guy who's clearly at the end of his career and he's still got some left in the tank. He's been bad this year, um, but, he has been. but like his his defensive goals above replacement is like minus seven. It's like the highest in the league. It's brutal. Um, he's playing on a bad team. I think you put him on a team with some offensive talent and you're going to see the guy that with with the best hands in the NHL. But. I think that's like a a rental. Let's try to win right now. I think Timo Meyer, whatever team trades for him, if they even trade him, I feel like we've been talking about them trading Timo Meyer for three years now, and they still haven't. If they end up trading Timo Meyer from San Jose, I think that's a guy who. I mean, he's twenty six years old. He's his metrics are excellent, despite playing on a team that's just as bad as Chicago is defensively. Um, and and he's a. I mean, he's so good around the net. He scores the dirty goals. I like. As a Golden Knights reporter, I see Timo Meyer all the time, and he is just such a good player that adds so much to a team. He's 26 years old. He's an RFA at the end of this year, so you still have him under team control. To me, he's the one that stands out to me because it just feels different from the other trades. I feel like that's a long-term that doesn't even have to be a contender looking to push themselves over the top. Although he could do that, I think any team that trades for him, your your next four or five years are getting significantly better with Timo Meyer. I mean, I, I think you mentioned Patrick came off the top. I think he's one that everybody's interested in, right? And he got injured, I think, a couple nights ago. So we'll see how serious that is or not, because he's one of the best players in the game, I think, and he could be really add to the contender. But I, I think what I'm really looking forward to is the trade that's not that big name one is maybe the, the, who's this year's Brandon Hagel or Nick Paul uh, that the Lightning got that had team control that were um, obviously a talented player, but has, you know, tremendous contract that you're looking at Brandon Hagel now. He's the top line winger with Nikita Kucherov and, and Braden Point on most nights. Uh, so uh, those are the kind of deals that I'm always excited to look for at the deadline. The GMs that are like not just thinking about the right now, but the future um, with teams with guys that are maybe have to, have to replace in the offseason. So, um, but Patrick Kane, just for me, just watching him all the time, I'm just really curious if there's a, is there a contender that can, 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 can ask him to leave. I mean, watching Chicago right now, I, w- I wouldn't want to, don't know why he would want to stay the rest of the year. Unless he want to break every record in the book there. But um, are the Rangers going to be ready to take him on? It's funny, Jesse. Jesse, do you remember before the year we were talking about this exact topic and we talked about Chicago and Kane and Taves? And I think we both were in agreement with, you know, Patrick Kane still is is an elite player in this league. He still has the hands. He still could score. And we, we discounted Taves. I feel like they flip-flopped. I feel like Jonathan Taves is actually having himself a much better year than we expected. Whereas Kane, as you mentioned, the numbers say it all, but he is playing on a bad team. I could see a team looking for someone who not only can contribute offensively, but you talk about the guy in the room, the oldest cliche in hockey, the guy who can help out, the guy who can really take on a leadership role. Is there anyone better on this list than than Jonathan Taves? Probably not. I mean, he's great at it. And I, I also think it 
it depends on like what role you're looking to fill. Like those yeah. two fill very different roles. I think like a team like Colorado, for example, that's got LTIR, they've got a bunch of guys on LTIR. They might have some cap space. You put a t- like that that Colorado top six is stacked. The bottom six is not looking as good as it was last year. They've had some guys that have taken some steps back. Um, they lost a few guys. I think you put a Jonathan Taves on on the bottom six in Colorado. Suddenly, they look like that machine that they did last season. Um, I think Taves is is a guy that you put him in your middle kind of six foot second or third line. Um, he can make a huge impact. How about Winnipeg for a hometown right. going back there and playing, yeah. and then they're a playoff team too. They're not good Colorado. Um, but they obviously that'll give them a big boost too. Uh, he'd help any team. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, between now and March third, be sure to check out the Athletics Trade Board because that thing is going to be bouncing around. Um, a couple names that aren't going to be on this list: Tage Thompson, Alexander Ovechkin went head to head last night. I don't know how many more good things we could say about both of these players, but Tage Thompson, three goals and assists, that third goal coming in overtime. He's now got thirty. In just 36 games, third fewest amount of games in Sabres history to hit 30 goals behind these guys. I don't know if you heard of them, Alexander Alexander McGillney and Pat Lafontaine. Um, his season's just bananas. Ovechkin had a couple of goals too. I, I don't think these two are, <laughs> are going to stop. I mean, very different ends of the spectrum of their, their careers, and they're still both putting the puck in the net. Your thoughts on Tage Thompson, uh, Joe? We haven't really talked to you about him. He's He's just something to watch right now. Just a phenomenal, like, complete package with the size, the hand, some of the goals he scores in tight. I'm just, you know, can't believe it. Um, and you look back at, I know that's why trades, I think, should be revisited more like five years afterwards versus a year and a half afterwards than the ones with Bill Ryan O'Reilly. And that's obviously the Blues will take that any day of the week uh, and twice on Sunday to win the Stanley Cup. But uh, look at how a franchise caliber player like that, uh, finding him on the open market is going to cost you you know, the state of Minnesota or wherever it is, you know, like, so I think you need to, you know, I just need to put a perspective how special this kid is and, and how much he has to grow. And, you know, those names you have on that list there, McGill and Ian LaFontaine are um, some legends there. So uh, he just a complete package to me as far as the size he can, he's not, a, you know, going to blow you away skating wise, but he can do a lot of things in tight that a lot, a lot of guys can do. Yeah, that that game last night was so much fun. The Buffalo Sabres are basically must-watch TV at this point because they play so fast, they've got so much skill, and they do not play defense, like even remotely try. <laughs> like, there's no attempt to back check. Um, they are, it, it's must-watch TV. I mean, every game, it seems like there's nine goals. Uh, that's like minimum for, for the Sabres. That game last night, not only the goals by Thompson, but uh, the first goal of the game by Alex Tuck, the assist that Thompson had where he he's he's coming Spin up the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uses his body, which his body is too damn big for a guy that's that skilled anyways how are you supposed to defend this and the spinorama passed to tuck on the back door um as joe mentioned trades uh alex tuck was stuck on the third line here in vegas he he he's a great player great offensive player he was never going to pass mark stone and riley smith on the depth chart here in vegas just because he may be better than riley smith offensively but defensively um, he just isn't the same complete player. He was never going to get a top six role. He goes to Buffalo. He's on that top line. Suddenly, Tage Thompson's one of the best players in the NHL. Those two are because Tuck isn't as good as Thompson, but he's they're similar. Giant guy who skates way better than he should for that size. Good hands. Those two are are so much fun to watch. And uh, yeah, that that pass by Thompson was ridiculous. The goal Ovechkin's goals were both just. Uh, oh, that's the other thing. Thompson scored the Ovechkin goal right for the the power yeah. play one timer from the from the top of the circle. Like he like that that game was awesome. Just so much fun watching that game last night. Two things. One, that Thompson spinorama. I couldn't help but think when I saw that last night. How much ice he much must cover with that puck on a spinorama? The wing because he's wing just span. his his, <laughs> his wingspan's bananas, right? And so he goes all the way around. There's no way anybody if you put if he puts himself between you and the puck, that's it. You're not touching right. the puck. And number two, just a really nice touch. All the Buffalo players came into the arena with love for three shirts for Demar Hamlin, and then Buffalo's Twitter account quote: Thompson scored three goals for his third hat trick of the season, his thirtieth goal of the season. And the winner came exactly three minutes into overtime. This one's for you, Damar. Thought that was That's kind cool, of an huh? interesting, uh, cool, cool little. I don't know if it's a stat or what, but uh, good to see. A couple more things before we go to break, guys. Jesse, I know you wrote about this with uh, Gentili on the site. Seattle going to be hosting the Winter Classic, 29th team to appear in an outdoor game. It's going to take place at T-Mobile Park. And the one thing that jumped out when I was reading your piece. You said Ichiro has to be involved. I could not agree more. I love just mixing the two sports the way we've seen them do it. 
Yeah, I think it's we we've gotten a lot of like Boston and New York and like the East Coast baseball like legends, and obviously there are plenty of them. But you think West Coast baseball, you think the Mariners each row is the guy, right? So so he yeah. he absolutely has to be there. Ken Griffey too, maybe you know, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, could be you. Um, but I love the whole idea with Orr was that the you know what flipping the puck or first pitch, you know, you could do with it each row at the cannon of an arm. I don't know what you can do with that, but you know, he could probably be over at Climate Pledge Arena and throw the puck from there and get to the to T-Mobile the way he was. <laughs> the one real thing quick, I, though, I... Guys, go ahead. real quick, are, is the shine coming off for you on outdoor games at all? Not for me. I had... That game on uh, the the Boston-Pittsburgh game was phenomenal. I thought the, yeah. the aesthetics of it are so good. I, it never gets old to me. The I was blown away when they... They had the players lined up on the ice diamond, and then they dropped the the flag over the the green monster. It was uh, the aesthetics of the whole thing were incredible to me. I, I they don't get old for me. I think tr- attending one seems like it'd be rough. I mean, you're a million miles away from the rink. I don't I don't know how good they are in person. They're clearly amazing. And the for lower TV. you are, it would be tough to see, in my opinion, because the boards are there. Right, you right. need to be above the ice. But yeah, it's it know. seems it's definitely a made for TV event, but. I mean, I'm all for it, as many of them as they can get on TV. I think especially the Winter Classic, the the one on or around New Year's is the one that I look forward to. I don't maybe I could do without like the other the stadium series or whatever. But for me, the Winter That's Classic me. doesn't get old. I, I I covered the one in Nashville in Tampa this past year, and it was incredible. You know, having the, the bands, every stoppage of play and like the crowd. They, I mean, fans traveled like thousands and thousands and drove through Tampa. Every question I kept asking Yes, every day was either bring an outdoor game to Tampa, an outdoor game to Tampa, bring it to Ray J, do this thing. I think if you ask the players, like in Tampa, like Stephen Stamkos, who've been in the league for 15 years, never had a chance to play an outdoor game, they were totally stoked to these. They even only have seen them on TV a million times. So I think for each individual market, it's different. Like Carolina game will be huge for them. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm, I'm all for it. Just make sure it's on New Year's Day. Make sure it's the only game in the NHL and just have one game and just That's do it. it. To me, to me, I, I like the outdoor game, but I like it more as an event, a New Year's event. Mm. I like it like that, like the stadium series, everything else. I find myself not watching them. That's just me. But, you know, that that Boston-Pittsburgh game, I sat on my couch and watched every second of it because it, it just felt like an event. But there's no way they're going to reduce them. They're, they're, they're too successful. And like you right. said, a lot of local, a lot of local, you know, areas want it. They're, they're, they want to be able to play in it. A lot of the stars want to play in it. So, that's going to – it's not going anywhere in case you're somebody who doesn't like outdoor games for some reason. Two more things, guys. Um, now that I said uh, the calendar has gone to 2023 players uh, who are on those one-year deals can renegotiate contract extensions. We saw Joe Pavelski ink a one-year contract extension with the Dallas Stars, $3.5 million and then $2 million in bonuses. Your thoughts on the signing? Russo. Russo's not Russo here. here? You're not Russo. Yeah. You're there. <laughs> I don't I don't go by him yet. I don't answer his mail. I don't get him his coffee. So you have to get oh, somebody man. else for that. Um, Joe. There we go. <laughs> <yeah>. <sighs> uh, I love Joe Pavelski as a player. I think he's not even slowing down. I think the Lightning tried to get him three years ago. I remember that in the summertime. He's more of a, a really, not just a great player, but he was great for the culture of that room. I think Asad wrote about that the other day of how um, him buying into them as a franchise again helped them a lot. And then you know him re-signing and then them being kind of playoff caliber team. So He's a guy that everybody loves in the room. He's a guy that um, work ethic is impeccable. Um, I'm sure San Jose would love to have him still. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a great signing at a low cost um, for what the, the value he brings at that age. Yeah, the Dallas Stars are incredibly lucky to have Joe Pavelski and and the fact that he wants to stay there and will take will play for as little as he is. Because to me, you, even with the even with the bonus five point five, that's far below what he should be getting paid, even at this age. I mean, he just had a career high in points, I think, last year or, or the year before. And and this year, he's on pace to, to do it again. He is such a good player. As Joe said, all the off-the-ice stuff. I think you look at San Jose and the way they just completely fell apart. I don't think it's all Joe Pavelski leaving. They, they had some older players that were getting hurt, and Carlson was un, wasn't healthy for a while. But I think it's the single biggest factor in the downfall of the Sharks going from Eastern, Con- I mean, sorry, Western Conference final, the one year and a playoff, perennial playoff team every single year to the seller of the NHL. Um, he, you, you read stories about how rookies are living with him and he's, he's got the team together. And then he has a career year and says, doesn't matter. I'm taking a small deal 
staying, keeping the team together. I want to leave money for the rest of the core guys to be around. Uh, just Dallas is so lucky to have him. He's such a good player on and off the ice. Uh, you literally cannot ask for more out of a hockey player from a franchise than than what Joe Pavelski gives you. And from that crazy 2003 draft too, with so many great players taken uh, that year. Stick around after the break. We're going to hear from Mikhail Sergachev of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, the Lightning have won nine of their last 11 games. They're now sitting in third place in the Atlantic. And a big reason for that is defenseman Mikhail Sergachev. And Jesse and Joe had a chance to chat with him yesterday, not only about hockey, but sushi and cold tubs and rookie parties and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So let's give that interview a listen. All right. And we are pleased to be joined by the two-time Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning defenseman, Mikhail Sergachev. How's it going, Mikhail? Uh, I'm going all right. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, obviously, the Lightning season has been going pretty well. You guys have won three in a row. Um, just w- what are the vibes in Tampa Bay right now? Uh, you know, good vibes after uh, after a good break uh, for Christmas. Everybody came back, uh, you know, energized and very positive. So it's it's been fun. Uh, practices, games. Uh, so we just got to keep it going. Mikhail, you've always been a guy since I've covered you that wanted more, uh, more role, more responsibility. And you certainly got that uh, this year, a big extension in the summertime. And you said back then it was a lot of trust from the coaching staff and the management and you wanted to earn it and step up. What's that transition been like for you? Um, you know, replacing some minutes that McDonough played, uh, obviously playing some, you know, first power play time too. Just what's that adjustment been like? Did it take a little while for you to kind of find your footing there? Uh, I wouldn't say long. It would be like five, six games. Uh, didn't didn't go well for me at the beginning, but then I kind of figure out uh, how I should start the games and how I should prepare for the games a little, a little more focus, you know, because uh, I have a lot more responsibility. And I uh, kind of figured it out a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the transition was pretty easy. They they gave me a first power play time, so it's it, it was nice to uh, to kind of feel that uh, you know trust and uh, you know I felt I felt really confident at the time. You're obviously a skilled offensive guy, but you haven't just taken on more power play time. I mean, you've, you're playing more penalty kill minutes than you ever have. Um, is that something that that you have hoped to add into your game? And, and is it something you take pride in and in, in being as good on that end of the ice as you are on offense? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I take pride in my defensive side of the game. But uh, to me, it's just more minutes. It doesn't matter where power play PK, uh, to be honest with you. So, uh as long as I'm playing a lot of minutes, I'm I'm happy, and uh, I, I certainly I certainly was this year. So then I'm going to try to keep playing those uh, heavy minutes, and you know. But uh, one thing is to play a lot of minutes; the other is to perform. So uh, I have to uh, stay a little more consistent in that, and uh, not just uh, play one good period, but you know, full sixty. And uh, it takes it takes it takes time to kind of adjust to that to uh, be consistent, but uh, I think I've been uh, I've been better. I think you were in Mexico, right, when you signed that contract, and was it true you went right to the gym after that, or was that just kind of like you wanted to go to the gym? <laughs> Good from the- uh, no, we kind of we kind of agreed to uh, terms and everything uh, while I was in Tampa, mm-hmm. but uh, the news uh, broke in, in in Mexico, but. Yeah, I kind of didn't have a lot of time to uh, just relax and chill. Took a couple of days off and just started working out. I mean, workouts are fine. You know, it's not like you you go out there and skate and, you know, 
after skates i'm kind of hurting a little bit in the summer but uh workouts are fine it's just uh just so my muscles and everything else don't forget how to uh you know don't, don't lose the strength so that's that's why i did it and yeah obviously when news broke i felt really uh motivated <laughs> again <laughs> right away so i just went and uh worked out so when you and and vasilevsky and, and kucherov go out to dinner let's say i think you're 8.5 now i think they're 9.5 who buys who pisses, who, who, does, who does the tab or who does it kind of uh, go back and forth every once in a while uh yeah it goes back and forth you know uh but uh, i kind of paid for a couple of dinners and uh you know I, I'll, I'll keep paying obviously uh it's, it's good money and uh you know but uh it's just it goes around we're all they're all generous guys and you know they, they know how how much it takes to uh get that kind of contract so everybody's paying do you have some more taste in food is it easy to kind of pick a restaurant when you guys are out on the road or or even at home or do you yeah yeah we're we're easy we're always gonna japanese asian fusion uh sushi style guys so uh Sometimes we go to Italian restaurants or we try to avoid steakhouse steakhouses. I don't know. That's not. I mean, we just we just like uh, Japanese food. We we'll get a lot of steakhouses in Tampa, so that's why uh, when we go on the road, it's uh, it's a nice uh, Asian fusion restaurant. What city has the best ones other than Tampa? Uh, Chicago, New York, um, Toronto, Montreal. I mean, there's a lot of cities, LA, obviously. Uh, so yeah, th- those, those four. Yeah. You were just in New York too, for the holiday, right? Like what do you, what yeah. do you enjoy about that city? You're like, you do a lot of shopping, do you do a lot of, just a lot of dinners. Like what do you and your, your wife do when you go to New York? <laughs> so it's on our anniversary on 22nd of December. Then it's uh, Christmas. Then uh, it's uh, New Year's Eve, which is the biggest uh, holiday for us in Russia. And then it's uh, her birthday on January first, so it's you know tough seven days for me for my partner. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean we go to New York every year. We try to at least uh, we we didn't go because of COVID one year, but uh, it's our little family tradition now. And uh, we just go. We walk. I think we walk like seventy thousand uh, steps or whatever in in three days. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, we just go shop, eat, you know, and enjoy the city. We rarely take like taxis there, so we always walk everywhere, and it's nice. I mean, I love big cities like Moscow and New York. Kind of have similar vibes, so and Moscow is my favorite city. That's why mm-hmm. that's why I love going to New York and eat at the really good restaurants. And we obviously have uh, two restaurants that we go go to every year, but uh, sometimes we switch out, and you know. And they have a good Russian restaurant in New York too, so it's 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 nice. And we gone to museums a couple times, and uh, forgot we did some other activities. But uh, we go to uh, Central Park a lot. I like to walk around there, and uh, yeah, it's it's been great. You mentioned family. Speaking of family, you guys are uh, expecting a child, right? Later this year. Congratulations! Yeah. Um, I you. know you have a lot of kids in that locker room. You know, with all the guys on the team. Um, yeah. you know, Stamp goes on the Zamboni and all this like that. What are you most looking forward to, you know, about being a dad? What are you after watching all your teammates kind of go through that experience? I mean, I like kids when they're like three years old and <laughs> above, you know, when they start talking and, uh, you know, just running around and doing their kid stuff. It's, it's, it's fun. Obviously, uh, before that, it, it's a lot of work and, uh, I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to that too. It's, you know, you have to, get through that to uh, get to the nice stuff <laughs> when kids <laughs> start talking. So, but, uh, I mean, there was no advices from guys. They, they just, you know, they just said it's the, the most precious thing you're going to see and feel the, the, the love for the, for your child. So I'm, I'm really ready and, uh, I can't wait to, uh, to meet them. Obviously every year you guys seem to lose one or two important guys because of the salary cap and, you know, it's not always a seamless transition to replace a guy like McDonough, I'm sure, or Ruda and everything like that. What was that process like for you guys as a team this year? Do you have to kind of form a little bit of a new identity or kind of get used to like how this team is going to play versus the one that had like the Gord line in the past or you had McDonough in the past or you see you have a lot of similar core members, but it seems like you have to kind of adjust right as a group to see what works for you. Yeah, for sure. There's an adjustment period. Uh, and there definitely was this year, I would say like 
15 maybe maybe more games but uh i kind of i feel like we we figured it out a little bit and uh we kind of you know coaches and uh, gm they set up the roles for everybody and uh i think everybody accepted them so uh and it seems seems kind of natural right now uh mm-hmm. you know playing and uh everybody feels at, the, at their spot and uh everybody's happy with their minutes i guess so it's uh, it's been it's been okay, but yeah, obviously, first 15, 20 games were kind of you know shaky and switching lines and all that stuff. But uh, as of now, I think everybody uh, fits in. One of the things I've been most impressed about you guys is how much hockey you've played, and and you guys still look fresh. Like I, I, I covered the Golden Knights here in Vegas, and a lot of them talked about last year about how all those deep runs kind of caught up to them. You guys, uh, I can't remember the last time a team played in the f- Cup final three years in a row, and you guys still uh, look like an energized team out there. Is there something you guys are doing? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I know. I just feel like uh, all of our guys are very professional, and uh, like. This year, everybody jumped on the cold tub stuff, you know, mm-hmm. everybody uh, going to cold tub or sauna and taking care of their bodies more. And, uh, you know, obviously after that, the, the loss to uh, Colorado, uh, a lot of guys took time off, you know, and uh, much needed. And everybody's professional. They know how to do it, how long they should take off. And uh, when they came back to camp, I felt like everybody was really energized and wanted to win again. So, uh I feel like it's just on the guys, you know, and uh, obviously we have an identity uh, in our organization that, uh, you know, everybody should come prepared for the season and uh, everybody wants to be successful. And it just starts with our owner and down to uh, all the workers. So, and that's why it's, it's easy to do that. You just have no choice. You have to be prepared and you have to, you have to love the game and be excited. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like to be a rookie defenseman in the league. Of course, you were a lot younger than Nick Perbix is now as a rookie in the NHL. Like, do you have any favorite Nick Perbix stories off the ice or what he's like as a personality or a character? I know Coop mentioned like the sushi line. He's always in the sushi line after after games. But um, Yeah, he eats a lot. He eats a lot. He eats a lot before games and after. And it feels like, you know, when he played in the juniors or college, whatever, they didn't feed him. So we're all going to laugh about that, but <laughs> yeah, he eats a lot, but no, there's not a lot of fun stories. Cause you know, uh, Nick is a very quiet guy, very, uh, matured guy, obviously, and a uh, very smart guy. So we, we, we didn't have a rookie party yet. So after rookie party, we can talk and I'll, uh, maybe I'll tell you a couple of funny ones, but, uh, as of now, no, he's just, he's been a steady, uh, smart, quiet kid. And, and it's, it's been good. What do you remember about your first year when your locker's next to Victor Hedman and you had Strom in there too? Like you're still a teenager, right? You're still figuring things out. Do you have anything memorable moments or memorable times or advice that they gave you? Like you're just trying to survive probably in the league and and they're these guys. Uh, are you know, moments like that and years like that, the, when it's the first year, it's kind of a blackout. When you mm-hmm. try to remember stuff, it's you just can't because you were so excited every day to come to the rink and uh uh, I don't know. There was actually a lot of stories, but I just <laughs> the the one funny one. Okay, I'll tell you. Uh, it was a rookie party, and uh, at the time of a rookie party, I think I had uh, more points than Victor Hedman, something like that, <laughs> something like that, something crazy. And uh, Steven Stamkos made me say uh, like a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, rookies have to tell a joke, mm-hmm. so he made me say, "Hey, go tell Hedy in front of everybody that you have more points than him." <laughs> <laughs> so I did, and uh, Victor I think won uh, Norris Trophy that year. And yeah. uh, <laughs> since that next game, he like got two points, a game-winning goal. And, uh, I mean, he was already the best, and from that point, I think so. I kind of so I helped him win the Norris. No, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I kind of remember that really clear. That uh, you know, I was embarrassed obviously saying mm-hmm. that, but he just took off. Where was this, the rookie party at? Where was the what city or Vegas? Vegas. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's as Always. competitive of players as I ever seen, and he gets angry like nobody's business. I think. Do you have a memory yeah. of Victor on the ice or in practice? You remember that like this guy's something different as far as like a <laughs> little bit of a temper. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he he reacts in kind of in a funny way sometimes to uh, you know guys chirping him. He misses a pass and guys chirp him. He starts like yelling back at them and. Uh, 
it's kind of hilarious. Some guys use that too. Like they, they always, you know, whenever he misses the pass, because he doesn't miss a lot of passes. And when he misses, like they just uh, give it to him and uh, they just start yelling at each other. It's, it's like, it's a normal thing now. I kind of got used to that, but it's funny. It gets him, gets him going in practice. And, uh, I should probably use that more too. Cause guys trip me a lot. Cause I, I miss a lot of passes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's deserved then you deserve, you, you earned it. Yeah. You've mentioned a couple quiet guys. What one of the guys I'd like to ask about is Andre Vasilevsky. We all see how brilliant he is on the ice, but he he's very quiet, especially when when talking with the media. What's he like behind the scenes with you guys? Um, and and just what's it been like watching a goalie as good as he has been these last few years do his thing back there? Yeah, it's he's obviously a, a special just athlete, and uh, in all of the ways you know you watch him prepare for games you watch him play he's always on it and uh i don't know like I, i've never seen a, a an athlete like that it's just it's it's crazy to me he's like you know obviously Connor mcdavid is doing he's doing unreal things but uh, vas he's doing those things in the net and uh he's always like i don't know i've never seen a game off from him <laughs> to be honest mm-hmm. with you yeah he can let like one goal but you know mm-hmm. just always on it but off the ice he's uh probably top three funniest guys i've ever played with he's a very uh dry sense of humor very salty you know when something happens like on the ice on the team and like nobody wants to joke about it he's gonna be the first one to joke about stuff that uh you know if there isn't like an elephant in the room and you know something is awkward he's gonna make it more awkward by saying a joke about it so he's like he uh he's he's hilarious so yeah is there a time you remember him making it more awkward when it was already awkward i, I can't really tell you okay he, he always makes it awkward in restaurants and you know it's it's just it's just the way his brain works he wants to make an awkward situation for everybody and he laughs at that and i kind of i know it now so I, I laugh at that too but it's constant it's just every day like talking to uh media he makes it awkward talking to uh you know waitresses at the restaurant awkward or on the plane it's 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 constant and so you gotta just gotta be prepared for that it's it's he's fine or whenever like there's no you know sandwich sandwiches left on the plane and he like gives it to uh the, the guys the, the people that, that serve us or to uh whoever took it so it's it's <laughs> he makes it awkward i don't know i don't know how to explain that i think you explained so it pretty well <laughs> yeah. okay thank you <laughs> i had to i asked people what to ask you and warren reichel mentioned a story uh you drafted in in junior and you came over to this house like they had a backyard barbecue with some Swimming. yeah do you remember that <laughs> you yeah. You were a swimmer growing up, right? So I don't know if you do that now or if you're in, in Florida. I, I, I wasn't a swimmer. Like, I think the, there was a language barrier. Obviously, I didn't speak English. And uh, when I came there, we started swimming. And uh, I just uh, told my friend, uh, he was Russian. He spoke English. So I told him, like, tell everybody, let's race. And I'm going to beat everybody. Because, like, I, I swam, like, when I was in probably first grade or second grade in school. So I was like, I'm going to beat everybody. And, uh, obviously I did. And uh, it, it was, it was kind of hilarious. So that was, yeah, it was, have you guys seen the male Yakupov injury you, uh, when they beat Canada, the one that, uh, he couldn't speak English and he was like, I, we beat Canada. We score more goals than Canada. <laughs> and it was really long, really awkward, funny. <laughs> so I was kind of trying to speak like that. I was like, I beat everybody. I swim better than everybody. So, and, uh, and Warren was probably a little juiced, so he, he was hilarious. <laughs> but it was it was really great. He took everybody to his house, and uh, he had a huge house on the water. I, I don't think I've seen anything like that before, like before I came to Canada, because uh, I think Russia is a little more poor. Where, I mean, where I'm from, so I didn't never seen houses like that. So I just used it to my advantage. I was like, I'm swimming all day here. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a great time. Yeah. Well, well, thanks so much for doing this. Because unless you have another question, uh, Jesse, uh, I'm sure you will want to get out. You guys, you, 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 you guys have like 15 minute like uh, thing. They told us. They told you guys that you, you I only have 15 minutes for you. Or oh no, they asked how much. They asked how much. How much uh, 
time we needed. And I just, I didn't know how long mm-hmm. you, you could talk. So I said, I'll 15 minutes. I didn't know how long you were available for. So I was I, like, I'll do I, I can talk. Yeah, okay. I have nothing else to do to be honest with you. Yeah. So. I'd rather talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think we're good, but we we really appreciate the time, Mikhail. It's been uh it's yeah. been it's been a fun chat. I appreciate you uh letting us behind the scenes of the Tampa Bay Lightning a little bit here. Yeah, no problem, guys. No problem. Thanks. We'll see uh see you in a couple days here. Uh, yeah. So so. Thanks yeah. so much. Awesome. Thanks, Mikhail. Thanks a lot, Mikhail. Stay warm. Yeah. See you guys. Guys, I love how he talks about Andre Vasilevsky making things awkward in public places. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just, we all have that buddy, right? That does things. Yeah. You're like, oh god. It's and even when you say, give me an example, he's like, I can't. It's just, it's, yeah. it's every day. Not something I can. <laughs> you have to be there every single day. He says something. So I, man, I wish we could have uh, be a fly on the wall in that dressing room sometimes just to see some of those awkward moments. He can pull it off. He's the big cat. He's the big guy in net. He can do whatever he wants. So it all works out. Yeah. Man, I wish we could be a fly in the wall in that dressing room sometimes just to see some of those awkward moments. Uh, Now going to be awkward after the break because it's my favorite time of the show and yours, Rapid Fire. Don't go anywhere. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIP. All right, boys, let's wrap this up. World Junior Hockey Championship, both semifinals going today. And there's the big one, Canada versus U.S. Um, Want to ask you about Bedard because he's putting up video game-like numbers. Even, even for video games, it's ridiculous. And Pierre Lebrun wrote a piece on The Athletic talking about how teams may start tanking a little bit earlier than usual. Is he tank-worthy? Jesse, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, definitely tank worthy. Uh, I, I was joking with a friend the other day. He scores that ridiculous overtime goal where he deked all every player on the ice and then decided to let the goalie try a poke check. He's like, I've got all the other five. I need to get him to poke check, <laughs> deke around him, put it in the net. I, I was joking with my friend. Uh, the Flyers and Ducks were about to drop the puck uh, just like maybe 30 minutes after that. I'm sure their GMs went down to the locker rooms and showed that goal in the locker room as a hype video to try to get uh, look guys this is what we're losing for let's go out there and get us an L uh, absolutely yes he's take worthy um, and reading LeBron's column and then ex- executive saying he's the best prospects of Crosby best since McDavid I mean those are very not just hyperbolic I mean those are hard to live up to but it speaks to kind of the you know not everybody's generational not everybody's generational talent you can't say that every year but this guy is special and uh, I think a lot of teams you know you wonder if if St. Louis losing a couple more top guys now might, um, you know, be in this a little more of a seller mode because they uh, maybe have a chance to. Um, but yeah, it's, I think every team that's close to that. I know no player wants to tank and no coach wants to tank. That's just part of their their DNA. But um, he's one of those guys that if it just happens, you happen to be that, that team that gets them, you're going to be a franchise changer. Controversial take. I miss the days where the last overall team gets number one overall pick, and there's no the, the, the tanking becomes an art form at that point because really even if you're tanking now you know you only have a shot at the number one overall pick um jacob verona guys waved by detroit they needed to make some room because robbie fabry's coming back from injury um but he just completed the nhl nhlpa player assistance program is it me or is this not a great look to wave someone as soon as they come back from this joe yeah, it's, it's tough without knowing all the information and behind the scenes. Like, you know, I've covered Eiserman for a number of years in Tampa as a GM, and he's very meticulous. And it's not just the, the obvious thing that's why maybe a guy might be let go. There could have been some things that sort of kind of lingered over time, whether it's a decision not to have surgery a year or so ago or this or what. So 
I know it may not look optic wise um, the best, and I'm, I don't think he really cares optic wise what it looks like. I just think that yeah. um, you know, I see. Hopefully, everything's going okay with him off the ice, and he can. I'm sure there'll be a, a team that'll look, give it, take a chance on him and give him another shot. But I think with the way Seabasman operates, he usually has something um, in mind with these kind of decisions that not the obvious one. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought immediately. Um, partially because it's Iserman, and also it's just like this is very weird. A guy that yeah has like he's produced um, at the end. We I think we need to see how this ends. Like we need to see mm-hmm. what happens. Is he gonna stay down in the AHL? Like or I mean, we have to first see if he clears waivers. But I'd like to see how this all plays out before I like jump on the Red Wings for waving a guy. Just because I agree with you, the optics, the initial thought is like, oh wow, that's a little weird. Um, I, I want to see how it, how it plays out. And, and maybe like Joe said, I think there's probably something else going on here with, with, uh, Eisenman behind the scenes. There were guys that were waiver eligible on that team too. They, they could right. have sent down. So that's why yeah. it could look the way it did. So rapid fire. Number three, Austin Matthews became the fastest leaf ever to hit 500 points. And he's also the fifth quickest active player to hit 500 behind just Crosby, McDavid, Ovechkin, and Malkin. Well on his way to being the greatest Leaf of all time. My vote is yes. What about you guys, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, his the way he gets the shots off from crazy angles, like the goal he scored last night, the puck is within three inches of his skate, and he somehow twists his body to get it off. I was talking with Jack Eichel about goal scoring, and like I think as a lot of times we focus on the the velocity of the shot, the placement of the shot, like the goals, the best goal scorers in the league. That's what impresses them is the ability to get the shot off from different angles. And he's, he's as good as anybody in the world at it. Yeah. I remember asking Steven Sampos a few years back about when the next guy could get 60 goals. He's been a long time since somebody had scored 60. Right. And, um, and then he said, Austin Matthews, just his shot where you can get the shot off the release, everything about him, just a natural goal scorer. And so, I'll probably get 60. I mean, he's well on his way to a thousand points. Of course, he'll be, be there right next Tuesday, the way he's scoring. So it's uh, definitely a fun player to watch. And in a market like that, for him to be able to kind of next step for him is obviously playoff success, of course, but uh, a big microscope on him every day. Last one before we go, guys. I don't say this very often as a host of a hockey show. Let's head over to the top men's league in Czechia uh, and talk Kladno hockey. As Yaramir Yager scored a goal the other day, remember, he's 50 years old on a pass from Thomas Pokanitz, who's 40 year old, 40 years old, a 90 year old goal. That's gotta be something we're never going to see again, right? Can you guys believe Yager is still trucking along and scoring? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I remember telling Mark St. Louis the other day that he could, looks like he could still play maybe on the power play I can, but you know, I mean, he's as fit as anybody they come to see uh, Yager, the love of the game. I just love the love of the game for him. Like he could easily have, cash it in and been on the beach somewhere or whatever like that. Um, but to him just still want to play, you can tell why he's there because he loves the game and just a treat for fans all around the world to kind of see him do it. So I'm only 32, but sometimes I get called in as a goalie to like fill in on the 35 plus games, the 40 plus games. And there'll be a 50 year old guy out there and they'll all be like sending him to the front of the net so that he can like, so they can feed him a tip in pass. And that's the exact goal that Yager scored. I think Yager's a little better than these 50 year olds. But when you, when you said 50 year old scored a goal, I looked up the replay and he scores and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I figured a 50 year old guy scoring a goal would look like. Um, But he's obviously doing at a professional level. He is absolutely insane and just such a great character. Love him. Love him. Would love to see him somehow involved uh, with the NHL when he finally decides to hang up uh, the skates. Guys, thanks for another great show. Joe, thanks for filling in. Uh, No matter what I called you throughout the show, thanks for coming (laughs) in. And uh, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I want to let everybody else know. Reminder, I tell you every week, it's because we want you to do it. Get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just $2 a month for a year when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. You can subscribe to The Athletic's NHL YouTube channel as well at youtube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendes, Down Goes Brown, Russo, Jesse, and I are going to welcome Anthony and Chris Stewart to the roundtable next week. So be sure to tune into that. For Jesse, for Joe, I'm Rob. We'll see you in seven days.